0: Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcaster. Hello Francoise, thanks so much uh, for joining us in the podcast, Uh, such an honor to have you. I would like to ask you how you would like to introduce and define yourself for the audience
1: for the first time listening to you. Okay, thank you Marwa, Uh, fantastic that uh, you've invited me to this podcast, thank you very much. Um, Well, um, how would I define myself? Uh, I'm, I'm foremost a curious type of person uh, I'm interested in, in people in what drives them in, 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 in what makes a difference in people's lives and I think that tra- that interest has over the years translated uh, into a focus on an inclusive society an inclusive economy inclusive innovation so when you ask for my pet projects they are all related to that so diversity stem of course science sector uh, technology, Engineering, Mathematics, mm-hmm. and UVI, the Universal Basic Income. And I would also, next to that, being a, next to being a curious person, I think I'm also a builder. Uh, I'm, I'm a very results-oriented person. Huh? Sometimes uh, people tell me, you're, you seem to be a woman with a plan. <laughs> so, because, because I never stop thinking about what's next, um, about the long-term. Um, how can I improve? Or, or for example, how Melexis can improve um, and the organization that I that I lead today or how other organizations that I'm engaged with, how can I contribute uh, to that? And in fact, in general, how can I help people to bring out the best of themselves? And that, that's really what makes me tick. That's really wonderful. Yeah. So maybe
0: I'm curious about your childhood. How, how was your childhood? being interested maybe in this you have many qualities so i don't know how was your childhood contribute to that
1: well i was not exactly born in an engineering or tech family uh, mm-hmm. as such. Uh, w- when i was a kid i spent a lot of time with my grandmother mm-hmm. uh, they had a very large family and together we were always visiting aunts and uncles and cousins and and it was just so great to chat along with them and hear their stories, and and maybe that's where my interest in people came from. But when I I was not doing that, when I was on my own, I wasn't your ordinary girl playing with dolls, really. Rather, I I was making drawings uh, uh, of, of houses, paper models of houses, or even I designed whole villages, because I was determined at that time to help poor people in faraway countries, you know? mm-hmm. I was even doing some masonry in our backyard at times, just really doing things right. So I probably have inherited that gene from my dad who um, worked as a draftsman at, at, a, at a brickyard. But I, it was only when I went to university mm. that I first got in touch with technology. And that was not in my studies, But uh, I visited uh, Flanders Technology International. That was a a trade show in in Belgium. It was the first of of its kind, a high-tech trade show. Um, That was in my university town in Ghent in 1983. And then I just fell in love with technology. Mm -hmm. And I still am. And, And particularly because I saw the potential of technology to improve people's lives. Um, and that's what kept me uh, with technology, um, uh, yeah, for the rest of my life, really. Yeah, that's really, really wonderful. But I'm curious about the
0: STEM because you are a big advocate for STEM science. Oh, yeah. How do you define the STEM for your experiences? And what could be the most important question we have to consider? Since you say that you really love to connect with people and you, you want to help through technology. So what's also a combination for that in STEM?
1: This is a <laughs> combination, Yeah. Well, I'm very glad you asked the question uh, because the audience might be surprised to hear that I see STEM primarily as a means. Mm. Uh, So not as a goal in itself, but as a means to achieve a a more inclusive society. Because more than ever, I am truly convinced um, that diversity, and and by the way, that is not limited to gender alone. Um, So diverse, I'm, I'm... Convinced that STEM and diversity are the two ingredients that when you combine them, uh, have the potential to shape a better humanity. And, and in fact, I believe I'm, I'm convinced that STEM has the potential to solve all of this world's major problems. When you mm-hmm. talk about uh, hunger or climate change or lack of clean air and water, energy shortage, hey, pandemics, <laughs> very, very uh, relevant today because technology is really power and you need STEM, of course, uh, for technology. But then if you look at the shortage of of STEM educated people, that's really, really a big problem today, especially among women. Mm -hmm. And that's why I capitalize on my role as a high-tech founder CEO to really, as you mentioned, to advocate for more of both, yeah? both diversity and STEM. And th- there's a simple fact for me uh, that women are as intelligent as men. Uh, and for the diehards uh, in the audience, there's no scientific evidence that they aren't. Uh, and there's a lot of scientific evidence that they are. And for me, that's period. But if you look at, um, so that's the cognitive side of it. But if you look at the motivation, Why do men or women uh, go for technology? And and that is very different. Um, And and it's universally different. Uh, Women, for example, they tend to put more emphasis uh, on what they can do with technology, whereas men uh, or boys go uh, more for the, the technology in itself. And women ask, why? Yeah, what can I do with this? And, and I'm the living proof of that, I think, <laughs> as mm-hmm. such. Uh, but over the years, I've also discovered that more diverse teams create more diverse and more innovative ideas. And that results also in better outcomes. And, and I think closing the gender gap in STEM uh, is a good start. And it's a genuine, win-win for both women and men, whether you talk about high-tech leadership or or elsewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Great. So but maybe the question here, do you think we really solve this gender bias in STEM education? Let's be honest, we still have some sort of bias sometimes. Oh um, yes, we do. Yeah. yeah I think it's ingrained or maybe not really offered, maybe covered a little bit. So, it's tricky, to be honest, uh, sometimes is uh, how we can solve this gender bias from yeah. the radical. Yeah.
1: Well, it's a bit the same in STEM as, as in other areas, I would say, uh, you can talk about the glass ceiling or, or the sticky floor or the, or the, the gender bias. Uh, um, and, it, and it's 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 it also leads to um, to 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 data bias, uh, cognitive bias, yeah. and in fact. It's unconscious bias. in in the In the essence of it, it's about unconscious bias, and it's not a women's problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a problem of unconscious bias that is residing within all of us, because we give our children, our citizens, our co workers, in fact, many many subliminal messages like, ah, STEM is not for girls, and boys have to be tough, and girls have to follow, uh, but. There's no need really to choose between brains and beauty. Uh, Women can be bosses and have babies just like men do. And and it's really because of those subliminal messages that uh, are given to us throughout our lives that uh, that's why research also shows that we women, we often won't take on a challenge unless we fulfill 80% of the requirements. And uh, the opposite is true for men. They, they sometimes hurry to take on a new challenge when they maybe only have 60% of the requirements fulfilled. So perhaps the lesson um, is that for women to get a more even footing in the world as a whole, and, and, and that goes for STEM as well, we just all need to become conscious of our unconscious bias and embrace the power of inclusion. Whether whether we we are parents or caretakers or teachers or uh, in leadership positions, I think we have to make that unconscious bias conscious and and then we can build from there. Mm -hmm. I really like this answer. This is a really wonderful answer.
0: And I hope that's could be a change of mentality as well about from, from being unconscious to conscious about what we really do in society. So maybe the question here about the inclusion as well. And that's, I think, related to what you say. First of all, what's inclusion
1: is and how it's meant to you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, for me, an inclusive society begins with creating um, equal opportunities. Mm. Um, And it it really all starts with education, making sure uh, that every kid has really the chance to fulfill uh, its potential. And, and it's, it's about having a genuine purpose to use that talent to construct a society that respects each individual. Mm. So, yeah, uh, maybe it's a cliche and a platitude, but I do believe that most people are decent and that the bow of history bends to justice, but it will still require a lot of blood, sweat and tears uh, to get there. And it will require more STEM, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: But I'm curious to ask you, François, about being, you mentioned something I think very inspiring that you love to connect with people. If you can tell us about, um, because I think it's part of inclusion that you want to connect with everyone. What's something you gained from that? What's just kind of feeling or give you maybe ch- changes in your maybe
1: way of thinking? Uh, mm-hmm. oh, uh, I think from, from my experience, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's about thinking out of the box Um, and uh, you need to innovate, Uh, you should look at the past and see what you can learn from it. Um, And and do things differently, uh, because only a fool looks at at what he did and then uh, Mm. continues to do the same and expects a different outcome. So from from a high level, you really need to look at the values of, of human society. That's where innovation comes from, really. Cascade those values uh, down from the problems we want to solve. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, uh, and I see the same in, in companies. When I look at my company, uh, where is the intercept between the human values and, and Melex's strengths? And innovation really happens then uh, at the crossroads of what is desirable. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a, a values perspective or from a customer perspective, within that value perspective, mm-hmm. what is the technical feasibility and what is the economic viability and I, I truly believe that companies like Melexis um, have um, a role to play in, in society and, and that's why also we see our, our, our vision is or our mission is to enable the best imaginable future. Uh, and I think that is important uh, mm. as such uh, for any organization mm-hmm. or any individual. Yeah.
0: And I think that maybe based on your experiences, uh, I think that's also a question that could be very important for the audience. What could be the area or direction of maybe development or research? You think it's very promising for microelectronics or semiconductors. But you think maybe if we speak about the industry, for example, disagree or there's no much attention because there is a competition. I don't know how you compare yourself and being a Belgium internationally. So if we speak about international perspective as, as well about this industry, but something you think is, is very promising, but there's no much attention. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think uh, robotics, <laughs> because we're talking uh, here to the to a robotics audience, I think uh, I, I truly believe that robotics can also help to, to bring about an inclusive society and to uh, get people to focus on what matters most. Uh, because robots uh, and computers, whatever, yeah, automation um, and digitalization democratizes, in fact, uh, what is happening around us. And for me, um, I think we should do more in robotics um, I believe in, in, uh, in, in the use of robotics to advance and expand and evolve um, uh, in, in different areas, whether it's industrial, where you can go for quality improvement, productivity increases, uh, cost decreases, or whether you talk about collaborative robots, uh, which could increase safety for employees, or even humanoids, yeah? to where where you really mirror the senses and emotions of, of, of people. And I think what is promising from Alexis, for example, as a semiconductor company, is that we can play an important role by providing smart sensors and, and smart motor drivers uh, for that motion control and, and stuff. For example, we have, we have an interesting pipeline of, of projects um, Uh, Maybe I can give you a couple of of, of examples. We we have, we're known for time of flight um, technology. Um, We use that to get, and we're also known for magnetic position sensors. Mm -hmm. And um, we see more and more use for robots for inspection, for example, uh, in, in industrial environments. Uh, We also um, are supplying uh, and continuously continuously developing far-infrared products. We have single pixel and multiple pixel arrays uh, and they're used uh, or they're considered for use in in service robots if you need to measure body temperature, for example, uh, or um, Uh, There's also the position sensor use in in exoskeletons uh, as such. And and in fact, we've we've been working uh, mainly for the automotive industry uh, to make cars greener. Um, But if you compare a car with a robot, then they're not that different from each other. You need this feedback loop, uh, this closed feedback loop of sensors and, and drivers. And, and yeah, so mechatronic systems are really needed uh, for both. Mm. So when, when you ask me for, for the, 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 the promising areas in semiconductors, I think that this is one that uh, if, if we do a multidisciplinary approach, uh, like, for example, you do at, at the um, robotics center in, in, at the VUB, I think the, the fact that you look at the um, mechanical side, at the, uh, the, the, the ethical side, the, um, uh, the, the soft side of it, uh, soft soft robotic side of it, um, then you can achieve a lot. And you can make uh, sure that routine jobs are more and more taken by uh, robots and by uh, automation, mm-hmm. and then leave uh, more time for the human to be creative and to work alongside uh, robots, and I, I believe that's extremely promising uh, for the future. Yeah,
0: that's a great. But maybe the related question about what could be you think still missing pieces here, if we want to enhance well or be incorporated fully in semiconductor industry, what do you think maybe is still the missing pieces for that mm-hmm. and technological blocks as well, if you can? Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, the the semiconductors are really very tiny parts, and, and they're sometimes even invisible uh, and they're literally black boxes uh, sometimes, and people don't understand, yeah, if you're a layman, then, and youngsters, for example, they don't make the link between the product in itself, the semiconductor, and the purpose it's served uh, or can serve, and Melexis, for example, uh, creates intelligent sensors and drivers that help cars go green, that reduces the environmental footprint of buildings, that serve diagnostic equipments in our quest to, to fight the current pandemic, as an example. And it's important to make uh, that link because the semiconductor industry, and, and in fact, the high-tech industry at large, is really in need for many, many more talents to bring that about. Mm. And In our industry as well, what is sometimes also a misconception is that it's only about microelectronic engineers. Uh, and But that's not true. We need all kinds of engineers, physics, chemical engineers, mechanical engineers, material scientists, software programmers, mathematicians, AI specialists, technicians, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a broad spectrum of talent that work together in this exciting environment. And I think the missing piece there is the the diverse career opportunities, but also the diverse part of, of doing that for a purpose, working together for, a purpose, which is, yeah, constructing a better world. And I think if we can make that link, uh, then I think uh, we will be much more attractive as a, as an industry.
0: Yeah, that's also a good point. Yeah, thank you for thinking that. So I'm curious to go about your role at Lexus as CEO and a co-founder as well. We know that there's no many women really leading this vision. And I'm curious about the challenges being a woman and leader as well. So. Is a challenge for you, how you feel about it and, yeah, for any younger woman listening to you, maybe, yeah, how it was for you to be in this position? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in, in my role, I'm not, I'm, I'm not re- necessarily a female or a male. Uh, I think you are your role primarily, uh, no matter what your gender is <laughs> or what your nationality or, or your background is. Um, and, it, and yes, it's true, you're right, we have uh, not enough uh, female uh, role models in, uh, in the high-tech industry. And yeah, when I look at my role today, I consider it mainly as, uh, as the guardian of, of, of the vision and the values of the company, um, of its organizational health. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I'm the, what I call the chief disorganizer, uh, so challenging people, but sometimes I'm also the healer in chief. Yeah, so keeping, keeping the, the whole thing together. And for mo- but foremost, I'm, I'm with uh, our people, with our customers, um, holding their backs, making them successful. And, and it doesn't really matter what role I had or will be having in future, it's really making others successful and contributing to fulfilling the promise inside of, uh, of them, uh, what makes me tick. And I started the company not on my own. Uh, we were three people. Um, and I was a minority from the start, because uh, we were three, but um, the other two were engineers, and I was the non-engineer, and the other uh, two were um, male and I was female. But honestly, it was the strength was in the complementarity of those three people. And, uh, and therefore, I'm so convinced I have become so convinced of the power of diversity and inclusion, that for me, that is the most important uh, thing to, uh, to bring to others and to explain it uh, to others. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good, also a good perspective, yeah. So maybe the challenge is about, what kind of challenges do you have to solve or maybe you face and it's still so
1: challenging for you? Oh, well, after uh, 35 years in the industry, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the challenge is in fact to continue to innovate Uh, to continue to inspire uh, that innovation to continue working with customers and with our people uh, to make them think out of the box to um, and, uh, you know, either you and and to take risks because taking risks um, is is the beginning uh, of everything. Uh, If you don't take risks, then you will never succeed and either there, there's, yeah, either you, you succeed in, in, in what you undertake or you learn. So anything is possible uh, if you think like that. And I think the challenge is for people to be okay with taking risks and making mistakes and not to, and, and that's the challenge of, of many organizations still today is. Um, that they don't allow mistakes or that they punish mistakes and, and I don't think you should do that. Um, mistakes are important to learn. You learn faster from mistakes than you learn from uh, from success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I think, a challenge as a whole, but I'm, I'm extremely um, positive. Uh, I, I refrain from saying optimistic. Uh, I rather say I'm, I'm extremely positive. About uh, about humankind, <laughs> let's say, um, and uh, I think people are very decent, as I said before. Um, so the challenge is to garner the strengths, the the, the common strengths of everyone, and I think that's uh, that's mm. there is a good chance that we can do that, that we can get better at that. Yeah.
0: I really like this point he said about taking risk. And I, we also asked in the podcast this question about taking risk in ideas or in research. And he said something very, I think, very important that, yeah, sometimes you could be punished if you take a, a risk idea it didn't work out or you're not allowed to go for the risk ideas. But I'm curious to ask you, uh, Francoise, realistically speaking, why do you think we punish sometimes if we have risk idea or we are not allowed people to, to go for risk ideas all the time, I don't want to take risk? Um, and yeah, because there's fun things, there's money, and we don't want to waste our money and time. You see, that's also a kind of perspective why people don't want to take risk. I agree with you what you said fully, but why do you think most of majority, I'm, I'm not sure, but most of people are afraid to take risk.
1: Yes, and uh, it could be, and it's not like uh, that's something that I've um, studied or anything, but it could also be an unconscious bias that uh, resides within all of us, uh, and and that goes back to our education system, where um, you had to score good points, uh, mm-hmm. or you only have to score good points uh, on on cognitive stuff, and it remains very important. Don't get me wrong. I think it's important to. Uh, to, to have a very very uh, good basis of mathematics and, and languages etc but I think our educational system um, mm. it, uh, is sometimes a bit obsolete and, and still so very 19th century <laughs> yeah. uh, not even 20th century but 19th century where um, you need to train people to read and write and uh, and, and, and do mass just because they wanted a certain type of, um, of, 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 uh, of employee, of worker, of uh, doing things in a routine matter. Whereas today, if indeed, uh, and I, I truly believe that, that robotization and automation will take over a lot of those routine tasks,
0: mm-hmm. we
1: need to rethink and rethink organize our educational system, and still put a lot of emphasis on the skills, on the cognitive skills and the basics, but also um, teach youngsters to experiment, to, to, to check out, uh, if I do this, how, how could that come out, and, and to accept that not everything you undertake is going to uh, give you the, uh, the result that you wanted, but that maybe you discovered one way, it will not work, and it will help you to discover many other ways uh, or th- the one way where it, with which it does work. And I think that creativity, that experimentation mm-hmm. is something that we also have to bring into uh, the educational system today, the, the, uh, allow kids to, to fail. And, and not feel bad about it. Uh, I think that's also extremely important. The 21st century skills um, uh, are um, a good basis for that. And I hope that our schools and our educational system, uh, whether in Belgium or elsewhere, um, also realizes this and, and tries to get a better balance between the cognitive mm-hmm. side of things and then also uh, uh, instilling creativity and experimentation um, to solve problems, uh, to work together, to to listen—all uh, these good things you also need uh, in order to be a good citizen and a good uh, global yeah. citizen. Yeah,
0: I totally agree with you. I think this is really important—a great point—and hopefully we can be we can be incorporated in education. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. And maybe one of the idea maybe how do you think we can embed emotion on the material? If we speak about you, you want to connect with the customers. And one of the issue we have even industry that, how we can have this kind of emotion in the product we have. Sometimes we fake it. Do you think, how do you think about this uh, uh, integration of emotion in products you develop?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a very um, uh, challenging question, in fact, because uh, in, in, a, in a robotics environment, uh, when you think about uh, showing emotions, then indeed you could think, well, how can a robot show emotions? Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's about mirroring as well. Um, and, and there will be a lot of uh, challenges in the materials uh, to, to make it happen, but I, I do believe that Um, Yeah, people are maybe a bit afraid of putting emotions as such, even if they are uh, rather artificial uh, emotions into robots, but I do believe that um, that is not something to be afraid about. I think emotions tell you something, and you um, you can use expressions in even in, in robots um, in the future to uh, be a more, friendly, uh, uh, so to, to a, a more friendly human peer. So to make the robot a more friendly human peer so that in fact the, the, the cooperation between the human and the machine can become better Uh, than uh, than the human alone or the the machine alone. So I think emotions will always have um, uh, an an important role to play exactly because of that creativity because it does instill creativity. Uh, If you are emotionally attached to what you're doing because you're doing it with a purpose, that's when you get the best results. And that's where you feel also satisfied about, Um, what you
0: do in life yeah yeah so maybe here's about uh, the artificial intelligence in what you develop there's a lot of hype and reality between what we can achieve with artificial intelligence and reality so if you can tell us a concrete example that could help you in semiconductor industry for the audience how you see the integration or maybe the promising point for artificial intelligence for semiconductor industry
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, gladly. Uh, At Melexis, we created uh, an an AI team about three years ago. And and I know there's a lot of hype about it uh, and a lot of misconceptions as well. But the first focus of that team, and uh, they they are doing that successfully, so the first focus of that team was take all the data. We have so many data everywhere. But we don't use the data uh, that well and they focused on optimizing our processes and optimizing the quality of our products and they have been quite successful at this. um, Yeah, bringing in new methodologies because it's all about that and about the results that you can create uh, with it. I think the next step. Uh, for Melexis will be to to integrate um, AI into our products, really design it in, and we see possibilities, for example, if if you look at our sensors, uh, there is definitely uh, a potential to self calibrate, for example, or to use AI to make a motor uh, run smoother. Um, so I do believe that that will be uh, the next step uh, in, in the coming year. So there I'm, I'm really optimistic about the potential AI has and we're continuously um, investing in it. So yes, it, it does have uh, a nice future uh, also in the semiconductor industry.
0: Wonderful, yeah.
1: So we are closing to end and have a few questions. The first one is,
0: uh, from your experiences, uh, where innovation mostly comes from? What keep, where do you find innovation? Just to be as you mentioned, you, you, the challenge is to be innovative to keep innovation. on. So. Where does it come from mostly? Um,
1: I, I think innovation, as as I said before, is is uh, really coming from purpose. Mm. You want to solve, you you see a problem and you want to solve it. Uh, but if there is a problem, that means there, there is also a solution. Uh, usually, there is. And, but the solution doesn't necessarily exist, or you don't necessarily know it. So the, the, the purpose drives your will towards innovation. And um, then you start looking at, yeah, who can help me? What do I need? Uh, what did others already do? What, what, did, what worked in the past? What didn't work? Um, Is it desirable? And again, those are always questions that we ask. Is it desirable? Uh, Because otherwise it's a nice invention, but it's not an innovation as such. It needs to serve a purpose. Uh, Desirable on the market for one reason or another or desirable by by humanity as a whole, let's say. So the the link to the values. And of course, once it's desirable, you need to see, do I get... um, are there technical solutions that are feasible? And and when I look at the technical solutions, are they not too costly? Uh, Can I still make a product that um, returns the invest that I put in it? Uh, Because if you have to, uh, yeah, put in more costs uh, to build that product than you are able to sell it on the market for, then it means it's not a true innovation it could be a nice invention but it's not a true innovation mm-hmm. because it needs to you, you need to accelerate or to exceed with your solution you need to exceed the, um, the, the the current uh situations you need to be better at it and that's where i think innovation comes from um, mainly that's what's more yeah
0: And do you think ego is important for you?
1: Oh, oh, ego creates problems, so I wouldn't recommend it. I would recommend to ditch ego and uh, put purpose uh, in the place, because I think purpose is much more important.
0: Yeah, yeah. And which book inspired you You recently?
1: Well, uh, I, I had a couple of books uh, over time, the last one that really, um, I mean, I, I had a couple of books that made a difference for me yeah. in the past, but the, the, the latest one, let's say, where I got an aha erlebnis, as they, as they call, and where I said, wow, that I didn't know, and I really needed that aha erlebnis at the time, that was two years ago, um, one and a half years ago, more or less, so pre-pandemic, <laughs> still, yeah. and that was the Chalice and the Blade um, by Ryan Eisler, and uh, that's a historian, um, and she um, did a lot of. It's a it's a book that dates from uh, from the eighties, uh, but she wrote. Um, 30, for the 30-year anniversary of the reprint, she uh, did um, uh, 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 um, yeah, an additional, um, additional, not a prologue, but a, an additional chapter to her book, where she looked at the current situation in the world um, versus what she has been dealing with over time in in her uh, research, and the conclusion of her research um, was, in fact, that their humanity, the the, the story of humanity is centered around finding or choosing one of the two uh, models of society. One is uh, the partnership model and the other one is the domination uh, model, dominance. And she said humanity is always. uh, in, in a fight between those two models. Mm. But in the end, the partnership model is the one that of course leads to uh, an inclusive society. And I thought, I have always thought, oh, it's in utopia, it's, it's really utopic. I, there's no such thing. But Ryan's book uh, showed me that in history there have been a number of um, Uh, societies uh, that achieved that partnership model. And when you look at it from that perspective, it gave me such a boost to say, well, it has been done in the past. Uh, We humans are not very different from the humans at that time. We can still uh, uh, get there uh, together. So it gave me it gave me a sense of uh, reality that I, I was not aware of, and, and it, it, it made it, it. It was very important because I, I got oppressed about everything that was happening uh, around us. With uh, yeah, the U.S., Brazil, Philippines, China, all yeah. those areas where where I saw the dominance model uh, rather coming, but also in Europe with all the nationalistic. Uh, tendencies that we see, uh, and and it made me depressed um, to say, ah, oh, yeah, this is lost. Uh, but the book of Ryan Eisler told me a different story, and it got me, uh, it got me to be positive again and to, uh, yeah, not give up on 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 the on the purpose, let's say, of an mm-hmm. inclusive society.
0: Yeah, that's really wonderful suggestions yeah and i think yeah this is something what's really fun about book recommendation we have a lot of big recommendation and i think that's something yeah nice to hear from you this uh the story behind the book um and i'm curious also again what could be the most important quality you have gained while working in your business and alexis uh, yeah what could be the most important quality you have to maintain
1: well i had the privilege uh to be able to learn to work with a variety of people. Uh, People with different backgrounds, different nationalities. We have over 50 nationalities working in Alexis. Uh, People with different perspectives, uh, different opinions. Um, And and, uh, what I really learned uh, that you do get to better results if you have diverse teams. And that's a quality that every organization should embrace
0: hmm. Yeah. And lastly, what was the best advice was given to you? And was life changing?
1: The best advice given to me? Uh, personally, I would I would say um, that was uh, a lady that was responsible for for child care in my community. Mm-hmm. I have three kids um, and they were born around the same time uh, as we founded Melexis. Mm -hmm. And the most difficult period I had was the the couple of years after my twins were born. Uh, Those were really, really challenging. And I sometimes felt so guilty as a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that lady who was responsible, as I said, for childcare, she made me see that this was social pressure only. And that my feeling of guilt was the proof that I was a good mom but that this feeling of guilt also paralyzed me unnecessarily and so that one conversation that only took a couple of minutes that really changed my life because i understood uh, i made that click i had to just discard the social pressure uh, that was irrelevant what was relevant is just follow my heart in dealing with my kids and and that everything would then be all right and and it has been all right uh, ever since so that was personally a nice advice that I'm I'm very grateful to her about. And then professionally, uh, that was my life coach. I I don't recall anymore when it was, but it must've been 15 odd years or so ago. I was again, like often doubting myself all the time. Was I up to my job? Did I really live up to the promises? Uh, And and I I sometimes punished myself uh, for making mistakes. I thought I, I, I wasn't able to lead. I was the non-engineer uh, amidst a whole bunch of engineers who were all much smarter than me. And and, I, I, and here I was asking the stupid questions, you know. But mm-hmm. my life coach said, hey, uh, build on your strengths. You have so many. Uh, just be your role. Um, people don't expect that you're perfect. and And it's OK to show your vulnerability because Then you show others that it's okay to be vulnerable, too, because everybody feels insecure at times and um, You have talents and therefore you don't have other talents. So at that moment in time, and that was a longer conversation. though, uh, I understood that I just needed to jump. Yeah, putting my best foot forward and that I would indeed either succeed or I would learn. So I've never forgotten that advice, and and I now give it often to others, if I see that it hinders them uh, to grow. That's really wonderful advice, and yeah, both of them is really,
0: I think, uh, the first one, not to lift that slight pressure as well, and do follow your heart. And second one, to jump and do what you really uh, believe in, and I think that's really wonderful advice, I really like it, yeah. And both the audience can yeah be, i think uh, yeah, everyone can really yeah. Uh, advices yeah and finally do you have any final words you'd like to say for robotics community if you, if you have any final words
1: well i would say um your work matters uh find your purpose make sure uh you can make a positive impact on people or planet or both yeah and uh, and that will f- make you feel so good. And it will, it is so fulfilling that you'll want to continue uh, because your work will indeed matter. Uh, and that's, I would say, the real success in life. Wow. So
0: thank you. Thanks so much, Francois, for being so inspiring and keeping up this kind of uh, amazing work being advocate for STEM education. And again, it's such an honor to have you. You're so inspiring and very successful woman. So thank you once again for your time. I appreciate it. I, I do
1: return that uh, compliment, Marwa. Thank you, too. Uh, and please do keep up the good work. I'm also very inspired by by what you're doing and, and how you're sharing uh, the knowledge. Um, so thank you for that. And, thank you. Uh, good luck. Thank you.